0: Downloads of this show are available on Podomatic.com and the Podomatic mobile app. Hey, it's time for Dr. Lisa Gives a Shit. And I'm Dr. Lisa. I am so jumping out of my chair. I am so, so like over the moon thrilled to be here. First of all, I had to take a few weeks off because I had this uh, art exhibition that took 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 the—there's sh- w- w- e- so many metaphors that I could say, but anyway, uh, I have a really bad cold and a fever now, uh, so uh, that's how it wound up. It was a lot, and uh, I uh, wasn't able to—I had to do—I had to rebroadcast some of my favorite shows, which— Was fun, but not as good as being here. And uh, one of the things that I'm really, really excited to tell you about, besides the fact that I want to thank you for listening to Dr. Lisa Gives a Shit, is that we are having this kick ass benefit tonight at the well for Radio Free Brooklyn. And we have, uh, there's three bands playing. A jackknife Stiletto, Red Arcade, and Nuclear Family Fantasy. The tickets are $10, the doors are 8 p.m., and it's 272 Meserelle Street. If you haven't been to the well, well, it's well, the well is cool. I, I mean, it's really actually an excellent, excellent place to... Uh, Seeing Music, great venue, and we are going to start doing these, Radio Free Brooklyn's going to start doing these showcases first Thursday, but this is our holiday showcase and fundraiser. It's a big fucking event, okay, you guys? Get out of your asses and your basements and just get out there, and you might enjoy some live music. And uh, I think we should give a, I'm going to give a special shout out to uh, Matt Townsend, A, for setting up this interview that I'm going to tell you about in a minute, and Rob Pritchard, because they really take the reins on uh, the Radio Free Brooklyn, our live music showcases. So here's the deal. Uh, This is who who my guest is today, okay? It's Mossy Ross, who is the lead singer, songwriter, uh, is that how you? Is it a song? I mean, even though it's like really hard rock, I mean, is that, I don't know, uh, is that the correct term? Songwriter, um, bass player, drummer of the nuclear family fantasy. And she is right fucking in front of me. I can see her right now. She's kind of laughing because I'm sort of making fun of her. Uh, so I'm going to, I, uh, th- thank you, Matt you know, uh, thank you for uh setting us up. This is awesome. So I'm going to have this chance to talk to her. We're going to get, we're all going to get to know her together and then we can go see her play tonight, perform. So, and I'm going to ask her like what it's like if she's nervous about performing, she doesn't seem like it, but you never know. I'm going to find out. Okay. I'm going to grill her and find out, you know, I'm Dr. Lisa. That's what we do here. But before we get started doing that, I want you to understand how fabulous and wonderful her music is. And also, if you go to my Instagram, I put a great video of the song she's about to uh, put on the air for us. So, uh, Mossy, say hi. Hello. Uh, And uh, thanks for being here. And tell us what song you're going to put on the... What, to, what song first?
1: Uh, everybody Loves You When They're Drunk.
0: Okay.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, you've been working hard.
0: that is killer. Wow. That's amazing. I mean that that's like incredible. It's wow. I, I uh I don't know. I, I it's magic to me, really. It really really is. So um let's um isn't that So you know what I'm talking about. This chick is so badass. Let's let's um let's really get to let's literally get to know her. Are how are you feeling?
1: Very good. Thank you for having me here.
0: Oh yeah. How are you feeling about playing tonight?
1: I'm excited. I'm a little nervous. Ner- I'm actually, wearing we're going to be dressing in costumes tonight, so I'm wearing some pretty high heels.
0: Oh really? Is that hard <laughs> both- to perform in high heels? I don't
1: know. I've never done it.
0: Oh wow. <laughs> That's you- what
1: I'm most nervous about. I think.
0: Do you do you know the other bands and stuff?
1: I've heard them. I don't, I
0: don't know have them? them personally. Yet. So is that part of the fun? Yeah. Like I'm just picturing like. Being backstage, the other band has a lot of chicks, and the other, and then the the uh, Red Arcade are yeah. kind of a uh, kind of the opposite of chicks. <laughs> <laughs> the Rastafarian yeah. types. Yeah, they are. It's yeah. gonna be good weed back there. I that's what so. I'm thinking. Yeah, that's <laughs> immediately. That's where my mind goes. So. um but you're having the people... I mean, you guys play out, and you've done this album. You did this album together, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you, you know, those are your friends, right? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So how long have you been playing with this band?
1: Um, this... I started writing the music for this about a year and a half ago, and then I recorded drums and bass for it uh, over the summer. And then I kind of gathered mar- Will on guitar he filled in everything really great and then Mm -hmm. I just got um our newest drummer Gary he's been working out really well oh great yeah
0: great and uh you said you live here in in, uh Brooklyn right uh Williamsburg Uh and uh so um so Mossy Ross sounds like a stage name right yeah so we're gonna have an honest we're gonna have a very direct conversation here what's your real name Jules Jules I love that name thank you does it not sound like a stage name, or what is it?
1: I got. I started going by Mossy because I was a teacher, and I didn't want my students to find me on social media, so I had to use a nickname of mine. So that was Uh, was the
0: one. And you got used to it.
1: Yeah, yeah, I like it. It's Mossy came from a mushroom trip. (laughs) And realizing how much I love moss. <laughs> and, like, lay on it and just imagine all these little worlds and it's so mossy. And my last name is Ross, so kind of rhymes and it just became a nickname.
0: So did you did you tell your students that when you no no, no. they don't have any clue? No, but because they don't know how to find you on social media. That's not. why they don't know. I hope so do you still teach?
1: No, I quit almost ten years ago. Oh, yeah, I did it for about five years.
0: What What did you teach?
1: I taught sixth grade in Coney Island for three years, and I taught second grade in Brooklyn Heights.
0: Oh, how was that?
1: It was great. I definitely preferred the junior high school kids. They get my sarcasm, and the young kids do not. (laughs)
0: That's funny. That's funny. Um, Yeah. So you said you moved here from Florida Mm -hmm. in two thousand and three. So uh, how did you happen to move up here?
1: It was my lifelong dream. I came from a really small town in Florida and saw Muppets Take Manhattan when I was about two, I guess. <laughs> and I was, that was where I was headed. I didn't know how I got here. This, that was where I was going. So.
0: so Muppets Take Manhattan was a big influence yeah. on you. I don't <laughs> think anyone has ever said that that's been in here. That's so interesting. It's a great movie. Well, you know, I'm glad they had some good influence. I'm glad they had like some influence and not just like mamby pamby things no they've brought us they've brought us great rock music i like that (laughs) that's really good so uh so the next question we have to get past even though it's obvious is like how did you get into music
1: uh well i played piano my whole most of my life just taking lessons and kind of doing that as a hobby and then uh about 12 years ago i went for a massage from a massage therapist that had been highly recommended. And he um, had a band as well, and he was looking for a keyboard player. So I started playing keys very badly in that band and um, kind of wet my appetite for playing music as something other than a hobby, but to perform it. And I started playing drums and just picked that up and realized that it, it really took to it. So I started playing drums with that band, and then that's why I quit teaching, just to... G- gigging and teaching didn't
0: really go very well together. So, mm. Mm. yeah, I guess not. It would be really hard. Yeah. And uh, now you, so now you're in a band, and I think you bartend sometimes. Mm-hmm.
1: That's what I do for money.
0: How is that?
1: It's great. Yeah. It's also inspired a lot of songs.
0: <laughs> I like that. Can you tell us where you bartend?
1: I bartend at um, South Fourth Bar in Williamsburg, um. and I bartend at Rosemary's Greenpoint Tavern.
0: Oh, nice. On Bedford and North
1: 7th, which is, like, I think the oldest bar in the neighborhood.
0: Oh, wow. Much better with uh, the quote-unquote rock and roll lifestyle. Yes. yes, Yeah. Are yes. most of your friends are you involved in, ba- you know, the whole band thing? Is that your... No, it those- kind of
1: varies. Have, a lot of my close friends are actually women I knew from teaching. Oh, nice. Different artists and some musicians, yeah.
0: So it's not all music.
1: no. I have some normal friends. You have some normal <laughs> friends.
0: You're not like going out every night all night. Oh,
1: God, no. No? I never did that, really. I mean, I I know I miss out on a lot of good times, but uh-huh. I'm more of an early bird, oh just very on rock and roll, but...
0: Well, in order to get to where, you know, get to where you are, where, you know, you're, um, you know, I mean, you, you've done obviously the hard work in that you're the person writing the writing the songs and you know, the front man, front man, front person. Uh, I mean, it's a lot of hard grunt. There's grunt work involved in discipline, right?
1: Yeah, I think that's probably something that goes very unrecognized, is a three-minute song could take months, for, at least for me, to create. And, a, and, it, you know, you have to go through a lot of weed and whiskey to do that as well. Yeah, <laughs> so it's, it's really hard. hard work. It's but, not...
0: And then getting your music out there. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So if you are really out all night, every night, like that's not going to happen. No, no, it won't. Unless you have, um, unless you happen to be like the drummer in a really, in a really mo- with a real, like your drummer could do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Cause he's got you doing
1: all the work. <laughs> yeah. And I, also, I also think that the, the way it used to be when there was, you know, CBGBs and some of the other more mm-hmm. locally minded music venues that have closed down in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. There was a scene, so going out might have actually been beneficial to uh, meet a lot of other people, but that kind of went by the wayside, and now it's just like expensive restaurants, and that's...
0: Oh, really? Oh, thing, that's I interesting. Think. So musicians don't hang out as much as they used to? I don't think so. If they do, I'm 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 out of the loop. Oh, interesting. But I, that kind know, of I, makes sense, though. Yeah,
1: I mean, now, well, I guess in the sense that there was like these key places that you went to, right. and you knew you were going to see certain people there, not to say that, you know, for example, I think tonight and another show we played a couple weeks ago had a really lovely community feeling to it. Right. Yeah. This show but, well, for sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Everybody should get on the Radio Free Brooklyn train because it's really about I mean, the thing that I love about it, it's about community. Yeah. Like they really care. I've noticed. Yeah. Yeah. It's really like a group of really interesting people.
1: Yeah. I've noticed that. Yeah. <laughs> Even just this show has had a lot of kind of cross social media cross-promotion with all the bands that are performing.
0: Yeah, no, it's a good... It's, like, an amazing... I mean, it's just... I mean, that is that is one of the things that I, I truly love that this station stands for, mm-hmm. you know. Same. But... Um, so, uh, so, you obviously have, you know, are a focus... Uh, you're focused, I mm-hmm. think, right? Yeah. Did you study to be a teacher? Was that what you had imagined?
1: Well, I actually believe it or not, I got my undergrad in international business. Wow. That was part of my New York thing. I saw myself in power suits, you know. Wow. And growing up in the 80s, that was kind of a dream for a woman to kind of invade that that male-dominated world. I could see that. And then I started, I realized I didn't really care about business all that much. So, um, the Teaching Fellows Program is a great program here that they offer
0: to people that haven't
1: majored in education but want to get their master's,
0: and the city pays for most of it. So that's how you came to New York? Yeah. You signed up for that? I know about the program. You have to be really... I mean, that's competitive.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, I think it's more so now. After When I did it, it was right shortly after 9-11, and they just really needed... Yeah. teachers and so
0: no i know somebody who became a famous writer that started out that way yeah it's a great program it was yeah at brooklyn
1: college which was a good school oh I, yeah. felt like I learned something and
0: and they paid for your education yeah most see how together these people are <laughs> you can't be a deadbeat and be a successful creative person that's what i keep trying to tell my listeners <laughs> it's, it's hard it's
1: a constant psa for not being a deadbeat
0: yeah, yeah. And you believe in that, too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So um, I wanted to talk to you about how uh, this the album... So is this your first album that you've written by yourself? Well, I wrote...
1: I do have another album for a band that I had started about four years ago called The New Jewel Movement, which is named after a government in Granada that was the U.S. kind of ran over. Screwed. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, that was very, very politically minded music, very literally political music. Uh-huh. And, um, but it's such a huge body of work that I just haven't had the money or the time to really record it. Uh-huh. And I hope to go yeah. back to it. Not yet. Yeah, I yeah. do hope to go back to it. The yeah. guitar player for that band, his apartment caught on fire, so he had to move back to Chicago. Uh. And it just, a lot of stuff happened. So, this is the first band that I've actually gotten a proper EP out of and it's and
0: it's your and it's your music Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so um it so uh and you learned on your own to write music and all that or
1: yeah I think playing in band and the band I was playing drums for helped me to learn how to structure a song and um but really I'm very limited she's
0: She's just smart Lisa (laughs) just shut up she's just smart I
1: I think what's the saying um uh, whatever. It's when, you know, when you don't have lacking. Necessity is a friend of creativity or some bullshit like like
0: that. that. We'll look that one up. (laughs) I'll have my producer find out before the end of the show. Matt, are you listening? (laughs) Colin, with with, with what it is.
1: It's important. It's, yeah, I'm very limited with what I can do, Mm -hmm. especially on bass because I don't really play bass. I just write on bass. And so, I mean, I don't, I mean, I think to say you are a bass player means you could just pick it up and jam and Right. I can't do that. I just uh-huh. I write on it, so there's not a lot of fancy changes or chord structures or anything like that. Uh-huh. It's just what I, you know, what right. I do. So right, right. But it also it's it's my thing. That being said, it, it's it's the way I write, and it's not the right. way somebody that's more advanced writes. But sure, that's them. That's sure, it's yours.
0: Yeah, that's how that's how it works for you. I yeah. think you know. I think we're all like the people that. If you learn to do something by instinct, I always think you're going to be more, you're going to be better off than if you learn it through a book. Or combine, you know, or combine them, but still. Right. So how did this album come about? How did you get started writing this album? How did it come about? Just heartbreak. Okay, so, you know, and I'm not going to pretend anymore. Like, this is really, something really, like, fucked up happened right can i just say can i just come out and say that is that okay that's okay yeah okay so but um i don't really you know we're gonna talk about it because we or i think well we you know but i just want to say that like no matter whatever happened like you're a great example of creative humanity because you made something fucking awesome
1: thank you so you know
0: like uh this is an, ins- I'm inspired. I think I think my listeners are going to be inspired. And, uh, you know, thanks for sharing. Well, thank you. Well, yeah, so what <laughs> happened?
1: Um, I'd been through a really rough breakup when I started writing the first song for it, which was Done, the second song on the EP. And then um, my boyfriend at the time had been struggling with depression and addiction and maybe some other...
0: We don't, I don't really know, but we, he was trying I'm, to get sober. I'm sorry. I just want to be clear. So you had broken up with him or is this a different boyfriend?
1: No, no. We, had, this is the
0: boyfriend you'd broken up with, but you were still probably friendly and he had yeah. gotten th- gone through a lot of really fucked up shit. Yeah. Was he a musician yes, as well?
1: He is. He has had, er, he has had an incredible band called the Every Others mm-hmm. and they are just,
0: mm-hmm. they are my
1: favorite one of my favorite bands and did you time. meet him
0: by going to see his yeah, band
1: yeah yeah it was a groupie oh, for about wow. eight years and, and where then, did it where did they play they played um max's what's the a lot of these places max's aren't even around Kansas anymore City? yeah oh
0: so he he must have been a bit older than you yeah yeah like at least about 10 11 years older yeah
1: um they toured they went to oh. england i mean they were they were on their way in the late yeah. 90s and then the late nineties happened with music and it just kind of all went to shit. Uh, and they no. started promoting more like pop stars and sort of yeah. ster- sterile, safe music, not really so much rock, you know? Yeah. And, um, yeah, we, so we started to, he had asked me to play drums for him, which was ah. like, I couldn't believe Dream it. Yeah. And I, and then we ended up getting together and a few years later we did break up because, um, it just seemed like a very stressful relationship, but, um, A few months in to our breakup, he was getting sober and things seemed to be okay. And then he was slipping again and not feeling so great emotionally. And then he just was gone one day. I went to check on him um, and his dog was there
0: and he was gone. And You mean like in his home? Yeah. Did you try to, like you hadn't heard from him? Was it like that kind of thing?
1: Yeah, no, he had, I had seen him a few days before and... He seemed very, he was very, very depressed and mm-hmm. I'd never seen him that way before. And was he, he, he usually, using then too? I don't know if he Maybe. was using at all. I knew he was, He's he had just a drinking a, problem, right. but I don't know anything, yeah, I don't know what else. Right. But um, I just know he was very depressed. So I um, gave him, you know, I'd given him a little bit of space and then I went to check on him because I hadn't heard from him and right. he was gone. And um, so it was, yeah, it was just traumatizing because I didn't know if he had committed suicide or what had happened and... Um, we, his family and I, filled out a missing persons report and uh, finally got subpoenas to get his bank accounts. And he had flown to San Francisco, which he had spoken about doing um, a few days before. He'd just been wanting to see the redwoods and get out of New York, which I think is a very difficult city to get sober in if you're trying to do that. You know? Yeah, and um, especially in the music world. But um, yeah, so the only thing I really know is that he had gone to San Francisco. Um, I moved in because I was sleeping on a friend's couch at the time in Hill's Kitchen. After I'd, we had broken up, I'd moved mm, out.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I moved back in to take care of his dog, who I love. Mm. <laughs> and I got some mail uh, a month or two into my living there that was addressed to him from someone he'd met at a hostel in California. Mm-hmm. And I ended up getting in touch with this person. It was an elderly woman who dropped him off in the Redwoods. Um, and that's about a week after he went missing. He just, with a small bottle of Jack Daniels,
0: went into the redwoods, and that's all we know of him. So, uh, yeah. And and was it one of those things where the police and everything, buddy? Yeah, uh, went I mean, search, there was a big search for yeah, him. Yeah, I mean
1: his his drummer went out there to look for him. His sister went out to look for him. I was it was sort of my second job for a little while to call rangers and everyone out there that I could think of. And, um, mm-hmm. his ex-girlfriend who's a very, who's a wonderful woman did a mm-hmm. go fund me to hire a private investigator, but mm-hmm. nothing has turned up, which is as my 86 year old boss, Rosemary said, no news is, is good news. So and bad news travels fast and all those cliches. So hopefully right. he found some
0: peace there. And, um, but that's really hard to live with because it's, unresolved yeah and most people probably can't even understand how difficult that is to live with
1: yeah it's it was hard it uh, is or it is hard it is hard it was harder when i was i was drinking to get through it to cope Mm -hmm. because i couldn't afford therapy and i just Mm -hmm. had a lot of guilt because i felt you know what what could i have done differently sure and, um, and then again six months later one of my best friends passed away as well due to alcoholism and so and that was also kind of on my watch. I was supposed to bring her to the hospital for detox the next day after I got off work and I didn't she wasn't answering her phone and, and then I finally called an ambulance to go check on her and she had passed and uh so it just was dealing with wow. so much guilt and like wow. feeling like and a lot of really bad anxiety, which I hadn't really felt. Before and alcohol is is truly an immediate painkiller in that way and a socially acceptable one for better or worse. <laughs> yeah, so truth, um,
0: truth, that's truth.
1: Yeah, so it was. A, it's been a lot of work to just not depend on that the way I was, and mm. um, and you can hear that in this album because Matt actually said that if we started a drinking game. <laughs> if every time I mentioned alcohol in this album, we could get pretty drunk.
0: Mm. <laughs> and you're. A bartender
1: yeah so yeah. wow
0: so that's really um that's really really i mean that's really impossible that's really hard mm-hmm. really 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 hard have you um have you talked to a therapist a real therapist no
1: i i haven't just because uh finances it's are expensive.
0: expensive yeah um i always tell people like C M P S. I i can give you the number i should have it on a fan but i don't um, has a really good. It's a Center for Modern Psychotherapy. I've gone there, and they have um, a really good um, program for you know sliding scale or something. Mm-hmm. Have you Have you gone to any other? There must be like groups of people that have gone through or in your situation to some degree. I'm sure
1: there are. Unfortunately, um, group. I just don't honestly want it. I don't know. I don't even. I don't know how much I want to relive it. Or you're yeah. Or like hear other people, kind of, yeah, yeah I just kind that's of probably not that probably
0: not for you, right,
1: I sort of have in my own mind what he's doing, and it keeps me positive and going, you know cause right. he is resourceful, and I do think if something very terrible had happened, um we would have known about it, right, um he right. didn't go into the redwoods with a stockpile of booze and drugs, he went with a small bottle of Jack Daniels, which to me says. He wasn't going out there to commit... Maybe he originally was going out there to hurt himself, but I think once he got there, maybe he sort of saw a different way.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's definitely... um, You know, I mean, he went into the Redwoods. It's not like he went into, like... It's not like he took a plane to, like, a really desolate place or a horrible country or you know he didn't go to like syria or something like going to the redwoods seems like a healing thing kind yeah. of right
1: yeah and he really loves nature and i see that yeah being probably the best place for him or they rather than yeah here. i mean that seems very like a,
0: he, yeah so um how has creating this album like what was the process of the, how do you relate that experience to the album like what did that it's obviously helped helping you. It's yeah. helping you, is it? Oh,
1: yeah, yeah. It helps me. It helps. So
0: can you talk about that? Like what happened, how you managed to funnel all that into the music and the writing and then how it's uh, affected you?
1: Well, one thing, um, my neighbor, downstairs neighbor, was the last person to see him in New York. And the night before he took off, he'd been very upset and saying that all he wanted was to take care of me and his dog Blaze. And he really did do that mm-hmm. by leaving this apartment because I didn't have my own space. And uh-huh. so you really need your own space to create. And so, yeah, um, and it's an affordable place. So I was able to afford to record and things because mm-hmm. of this apartment. And he, so he really did do what he wanted uh-huh. in that regard. So I would, I just would come home and part of it, I, f- I hated myself for what had happened and for almost feeling like I had allowed it to happen and writing or playing music and having something that you can call your own really helps you to feel mm-hmm. somehow better about yourself, you mm-hmm.
0: know? Mm-hmm. And so a lot of
1: the songs did start off kind of literally about him. And then they sort of transitioned to being kind of about me. I mean, the last one on the album is called um, so many maybes ago. And it's about basically like, did you p- pass? Did you commit suicide or what did uh-huh. you do? You know? Uh-huh. And, um, and that, but it's also about kind of being a flake due to be due to depression and alcoholism because Owen and I found that I would do this over the last year as well. Just wouldn't show up for things, wouldn't do things because I couldn't trust myself to either not drink too much or I had already been drinking and I didn't want to go out. You know, I just wanted Mm -hmm. to be with myself. And so, um, I hope that by these, these songs being about him and then me as well, that I know I'm not the only person that goes through this sort of thing with dealing not, necessarily with this kind of scenario but right what's going on personally in people's lives or politically we do tend to go towards pills and um alcohol oh, and yeah. other forms of illegal drugs to cope with it you sure. know sure. and i don't think it's really especially with drinking i don't think it's the severity of that is really discussed enough because it is socially acceptable and it's a social activity and as a bartender i see how many people come in and and use alcohol as a way of burying their pain or avoiding going home to loneliness or you know oh, just yeah. coping
0: yeah so. so do you do you feel like people don't um open up enough about what's really on their minds or do you feel like it's do you feel like i mean it's kind of it's kind of interesting cuz it's sort of like there's two points to, there's two ways to think about it like on one hand um you know, society, I mean, I have this, this is my issue with society that it's so fucked up that, you know, everybody has to pretend everything's great all the time. And then we all think that everybody else is doing great. Mm -hmm. Um, But the other thing is alcohol, that alcohol, we, we think alcohol is a party. Mm -hmm. And like, what do you think the percentage of, I think there's a huge percentage, right? An unrecognized percentage of people that use alcohol in a destructive way is that unrecognized? Do you think, as think a bartender, so. what do you see?
1: I do think so, because and and there's all kinds of factors that play into that. I mean, I serve people who I think are doing that, and I have to because I need to make a living. Of course, and in my head, it's like, well, at least I'm I care about them. I'm not just you know someone. Some random person giving them drugs, you know.
0: Yeah, you're. But
1: I think, like, yeah, to to what you said, I think it's true that there is, um, there are a lot of people using it in a destructive way, but it's it's hidden because they're, you know, you walk into a bar. The bars that I work at, in particular, are bars that have regulars. Mm -hmm. So it's like a Cheers kind of setting where you walk in and everybody knows you, and you you've got this group of friends there, and that's what kind of prompted "Everybody Loves You When They're Drunk" was that. You do go to the bar at the end of a hard day of work, but it's it's like a temporary fix. You know, everybody uh-huh. loves you when they're drunk, but what about when they're not? And what about when uh-huh. you're not? Are you hanging out outside of the bar? Do you have a rich life outside of the bar? You know, are you doing things that are fulfilling for yourself?
0: What, what, um, I want to ask this one question. We have to play, I want to play another one of your songs why we have time, but, um, can you tell, can you tell, um, like how what what's a telling sign to you? How do you notice that you think people are abusing alcohol it's it, Is it just that they're there all the time or is it what they drink or their behavior like how do you think what makes you think they're sad and using alcohol to cover or trying- I
1: think if it's like uh my oh god i don't need, I feel kind of even bad. <laughs> And I, I don't say this as all at all as a judgment. No, I no, same, not on this show. There same, is no, no. I, yeah, and I only, I mean, I'm even being open about my drinking because I feel like it needs to be discussed. I'm, I'm not a special case. I'm saying this because I know that so many people are yeah. doing the same thing. And yeah. I think it's just, I, I see some people that, okay, I'll have one more. Okay, I'll have one more. And you just know that they just do not want to go home Uh, to the aloneness or whatever, you know, they just don't want to be by themselves. And I think that's, um, and you know, they're there a lot and I don't really know of them doing many things outside of work in the bar. uh, bar,
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I can, I mean, I'm a regular at, um, at, um, Pine Box. I talk about it on here all the time. Um, so I, I, I under no, but um Yeah, there
1: are different kinds, you know, of regulars too. I think it's like
0: Well what you said is really poignant to me. That feeling that you're describing or that I'm that I that I get from you is um that feeling of I don't really want to have an I'm ambivalent about this drink, but I'm even more ambivalent about going home. Mm-hmm. And just like how horrible that is that somebody um has, um, you know, a feeling that they don't want to go home and be alone, which mm-hmm. is perfect. Like, who wants to feel that way? Yeah. You know? Totally. Who wa- like, that's so awful, and that's, that's our society. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really un unnatural. We're supposed to live in tribes.
1: Exactly. Not in isolation. Like yeah.
0: Yeah. So then we wind up thinking like it's, you know, like totally, it's completely understandable. And um, as a bartender, you are, you you see that. I mean, we all see horrible things in whatever job we have and that's what you see a lot of.
1: Yeah. I mean, I love, I love the people that I right. meet, you know, and it's right. just, but like you said, it's like if we were living in tribes, we wouldn't need this gathering place where we go and do something that's really destructive to our bodies every day. We would be telling stories or, you know, sharing. Or we
0: would just be there in a secure way with each other, knowing. (laughs) Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, right. But um, I do think you must bring some, uh, like a really positive um, um, energy to the place. And that's a contribution. Depends on my mood. No, but you, you, you know, that's you know you feel it you pick it up that's what shrinks pick that shit up too i'm not a real shrink so i don't worry about that so i'm i am relieved of that responsibility which so anyway um i want to play another one of your songs and um so tell us about the next song
1: the next one if my phone doesn't die is oh wait it might it's called left me lonely again and it's the um, we're going to be screening that video the new video for this song oh tonight. okay tonight yeah.
0: tonight there's the we're going to be playing the video that yeah. is so awesome about what time do you think that um, you're going to be on in the video and all that just around so around 10 probably around 10 or sh- mm-hmm. okay cool let's yeah. play it
1: okay hopefully it my battery will last
0: beautiful that that it's your music has a real range <laughs> it really know. does how does that how did that feel i was looking at you and
1: <laughs> well i'm picturing the video now now that we have it and it's such a beautiful video it's uh, so sad though uh, it's so i they, it's um both this video and the last one i did are um, it's these two women starting this new production company called Triple Three Productions, mm-hmm. and they um they want to do videos and things for people on a budget, and they're just they're incredible. I can't say enough good things about them. And so the first
0: video was very fun, and it was yeah I saw it. It's great, I, like a yeah Yeah,
1: this one is just it's so sad, uh. and it's really hard because I'm watching myself in this role of this like sad housewife, and it's it's such a dramatic kind of depiction of how I sort of feel sometimes you know in my own life just kind of going through the emotions feeling this intense sad sadness and loneliness you know
2: Mm -hmm. and
0: drinking to get through it Mm
2: -hmm. yeah
0: not as much as i was so so um getting the music out like how long has your EP been out
1: since um i think late july
0: oh yeah so like seeing like playing the music and having people appreciate the music is that helping you yeah does that it's been yeah is that sort of like finally getting like giving birth to a kind mm-hmm. of healing yes yeah i would like to th- i want to think that and i can't imagine that it wouldn't be like that yeah. what is it that like it? just rewarding to see people responding to the music or, yeah it
1: is and i feel like it does an honor to owen as well is my ex is owen um, yeah and i feel like it's he inspired all of this. I mean, that's how amazing of a person he is wherever mm-hmm. he is, you know. Mm-hmm. And um and I've actually written a new album in the last few months. Wow. That's more uh more about letting go. Mm. So it's a little, ah. little more it's not as dark, wow. I think.
0: <laughs> so your music is really I mean, this is like the ultimate to me, like the ultimate use value in creativity mm-hmm. because if you go through that and you are able to process something and heal and put it out in the world, then I think it's really like generates that for other people too. And I hope so. And I bet everyone that knows you sees it happening and it probably, like I bet that's really helpful to his family and your family too, right?
1: I hope so. Do they, has
0: his family responded to the music? No,
1: I haven't been in touch with them except for right after this happened because it's just too painful. Uh. I think for both of us, like anytime I get... A message, you know, and Facebook has yeah. that stupid memories. Oh, thing, Jesus. Like yeah, that. like, shoot me now. <laughs> I had one today and yeah. yesterday. It's like, yeah. come on. I wish you could opt out of that because it's really unfair. <laughs> yeah, it's, I know it is, really you know, up. People go through really <laughs> yeah. crappy shit and then you yeah. have to be reminded <laughs> of it on there. You're still oh, I your know, day, and they're like, "Oh, okay, everything's yeah. going to be a good day." No, I
0: know, because like uh, three years ago, I had you know the Miami Art Basel thing is on now, and like three years ago, I had a solo show there, and like I haven't been back since, uh, yes. <laughs> and like it came up yesterday, and I'm like, oh. "I remember my time in Miami. Thank <laughs> you very much." Yeah, look at all those people there. I have you know, whatever. will <laughs> go back. Oh, you know, whatever. It's all. It's all. It's all a journey. It's mm-hmm. all a journey. So, I, um, we only have 13 minutes left, and, um, I just want to make sure I say thank you for listening to Radio Free Brooklyn and Dr. Lisa Gives a Shit. And, um, I'm also reminding everybody that we're having a, um, huge, uh, benefit, and, uh, tonight at the well, it's our first RFB Thursdays, first Thursdays, and, um, besides uh, the nuclear family fantasy we're also there's also going to be jack knife stiletto and red arcade uh, tickets are ten dollars the show starts at eight it's tonight at the well 272 messsole Street and uh, I also want to give a shout out to another show that we're doing at the footlight at seven o'clock on This Monday, December is that this Monday? No, it's a week from Monday, right? What date? I'm gonna announce it next week, (laughs) December 18th. Is that that's okay? Good, we got time on that because I've got. I'd rather give the time to my good friend Kalen Sherrard, who's a really crazy and handsome young performance artist, and what he's doing is kind of weird. And he made a big point of trying to get me to talk about it, which I'm happy to do because it's wonderfully weird. So the idea, it's called, here's the hashtag, ElevateOneGlobal. And uh, you can go to ElevateOne.org if you want to find out about it. So the idea, this is so crazy what he's doing, but I kind of love it. He is trying to get everybody to do performances in elevators love that on December 12th <laughs> 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 that's awesome don't you think yeah. don't you think so I think that we should all like I definitely want to do something I don't know I'll have to think of it but uh I kind of love that and the hashtag is hashtag elevate one global so that's e-l-e-v-a-t-e one global G L O. BAL. So uh, I think that's crazy and wacky. And uh, thank you for uh, letting us know about that, Kellen. Um, I'm sure there'll be a lot more people doing that on December 12th. That's next Tuesday. I know that for a fact. So in the weird, weird? I oh, love it, right? I love it. So, okay, we have, now we have 11 minutes. I wanted to find out a little bit about your childhood and then play uh, one more song, okay? Let's do that. So, because here's my impression of you, okay? Um, very, I'm very impressed with you. Um, first <laughs> of all, but you have like on like my first impression of you. She, for, she's tall and gorgeous, and like really well dressed folk. Not well dressed, dressed in a very, a uh, fashionable way that you haven't seen before. Okay, <laughs> that's what I'm saying, and um. So you are, you have this like, to me, have like kind of a real rebellious side, but at the same time, now that I've gotten to know you a tiny bit, you also have like a really like focused, thoughtful, smart, organized side, right? Mm -hmm. Am I right? Is that, do you feel like that's who you are to a bit? Mm -hmm. So what was your childhood like? How did that come about?
1: It was, my childhood was really lovely. Uh, until I mean, when I, I got I mean it was harder in my teenage years because of that rebellion, mm-hmm. and in a small town you can't rebel rebel very easily. And so I made it. That was kind of maybe more where my focus came in handy because I just focused on getting out, uh-huh. you know, and going to where I uh-huh. wanted to be, which was New York.
0: What did your parents do?
1: My mom was a housewife, and my dad is an electrical engineer. He worked for the power company.
0: Oh, so he had like a, you know, a decent job and Mm. you have a nice home, like a decent stable. I mean, we were,
1: it was like, you know, growing up kind of more like, I guess, lower end of middle class, but middle Mm -hmm. class. And that's kind of what we don't, that's where the name of the band came from is like, we don't have that anymore. That opportunity really to live like in a truly comfortable way that's not ostentatious, but you just have more, you have what you need uh, what you need yeah you know
0: so is did your town change where you grew up
1: no it hasn't i think it's probably going to eventually but
0: so it's it's still like that it's
1: still well um i mean it's everything's more expensive you know and we got a Hmm. starbucks which means you know there Uh goes the neighborhood (laughs) (laughs) like it wasn't getting any attention from those kinds of corporations but oh now it is yeah so
0: so did you have a good relationship with your parents
1: um yeah. Again, it was, you know, once I became once a you, teenager. Until you became a teenager. I kind of started having my own ideas about things. It wasn't, they're very religious. And very ah, religious.
0: That, that's a lot to rebel against. Yeah. If you, are they, uh, what are they, Christians? The Baptists, yeah. Are they like, how how fervent, like, closely, closely? Um
1: It seems like they get, unfortunately, more and more <laughs> fervent and right-wing as the, Mm. world becomes more divided. And- Trump
0: voters? Mm-hmm. Oh man, you got to go home at Christmas to Trump voters? I know. Oh, that's tough.
1: Yeah, it's I look at it as more of like a research.
0: You yeah, I'd what, be curious because, about that. Yeah,
1: it is very interesting to to see what the other side thinks. How do they
0: rationalize it?
1: Um I don't know because I don't talk about it.
0: Oh, um, all right. That's fair. Um,
1: I don't even want to know. I don't feel like we've had some really bad bad times over the years and more yeah and i just you already have
0: enough pain to <laughs> why make new one well, we, why we make we new we went for a
1: while we didn't speak and i feel like i don't oh, think that was hurtful yeah. for all of us and i don't want to do that again Yeah. I'd rather just avoid nothing's they're not going to change i'm not going to change right. so um you know i just think it's it's tragic to be so polarized, you know so divided like we are but i think it is kind of it is kind of interesting to have this up close glance of what this other side thinks and and from people that i that i love not like usually if i see a trump supporter it's like fuck you you fucking idiot what are you what's wrong with you you know like and you sort of feel this seething rage or i do <laughs> for them <laughs> but like how could you think this way how could you approve of this guy and support him but when it's your own family it's like okay i mean i can't think that they all suck
0: Well, you know, know, I'm feeling, I mean, there is something reassuring sitting across from you hearing you say it's your parents because you're like a, you know, a fairly, I mean, in my book, a normal person and reasonable and like, these are your, this is your family. They're a little less scary than what I imagine. Yeah. Those unknowns, those complete unknowns to be. Do they have guns?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that's the scary thing is that they are... (laughs) They're kind of the more tame side, you know, like uh-huh. in the sense that they are getting what they want so they don't have to rebel or fight. So they're sort mm-hmm. of quietly, uh-huh. um, I don't even know why they have guns. It's like, who are you? They protecting? do
0: have guns. They, Your parents have guns. I, I think they have a gun. I don't
1: even know. <laughs> Again, I don't want to know. The less I know, the better, because I will, I have a tendency where I can lose it. I can
0: totally lose. Uh, yeah. Handle, and no, I don't, don't make do it worse. Yeah. I'm making. I'll make it worse for you. I'll bring <laughs> it up. We'll talk about it. I'll. But you know, I like to pick at the scabs. But don't do it to yourself, for God's sakes. Yeah. So, uh, do you brothers or sisters? I have an older sister. And how is she? Like, what's she like? She's. Um, she's a teacher.
1: She's lovely. She's such a sweetheart. Mm-hmm. She's. God, I don't think she has a. a she kind of likes to just keep the peace, you know. Yeah. She won't really say one way or another what she believes. And I don't think, and this is one thing I found when I moved here, was that you don't really know what you don't know. And I came from such an isolated town that I didn't know. I knew I didn't fit in with right. whatever was going on there with religion and right-wing radicalism and all that stuff. But I didn't know what else there was. And now I, I've, you know, just through extensive amounts of reading and talking to people and... Right. watching documentaries and stuff now it's like oh okay i get it now and you know i think a lot of people including my sister aren't in that position to be exposed to knowing right. to finding out what they don't know right and leaving their you know a lot of the trump supporters will say you know this is the best country in the world but they've never left the country you know or and that's mm. the same kind of mentality of not right. really knowing what else or is not. out there
0: so i'm guessing she still lives where you grew up
1: she lives close she lives about an hour away mm-hmm. right.
0: and is she religious too
1: my fear, I think. Uh-huh. I hope they don't hear this interview. <laughs> I, think I doubt it's it. More, and, and this was sort of my experience was like um, just that fear of hell is real when you grow up yeah. in it. Yeah. And you don't know why it doesn't settle well with you or why it seems kind of off. But like it's enough to keep you at least going to church. So she'll go to church just to say you know, I think, and this is my belief, I don't know, honestly. Yeah, no, I I get it. These are things I don't really want to talk about with them, but I think she's expressed to me that she doesn't necessarily enjoy going to church. Right. You know, it's...
0: Well, you know, I mean, I do think that there is something, you know, religion in all societies does seem to have some positive effect on, well, A, creating community. Yeah. And um, some kind of moral compass and you know, I mean, I'm not a personally religious person, but I do feel like when I hear religious communities talking about, you know, treating people with respect and stuff like that, Mm -hmm. I like that, you know, like my mother always said, you know, we never went to synagogue, being a to be a good Jew is to be a good person. Mm -hmm. And that's all she would say. And I like I, I like that attitude, and I think if religion can spread that attitude, that's positive. <laughs>
1: oh, we need another hour to talk about how that doesn't yeah, happen. We, unfortunately. We, we don't
0: have that, but I do want people to um, hear your next, your okay. the last song we have time for today. And I want you guys to show up tonight, okay? I hope I get to see you guys at the well at, on uh, 272 Meserol. So the last song for today is for the show is
1: so many maybes ago if again if my phone lasts that long but thank you so much for having oh i loved
0: having (laughs) you on thank you for being here get on that's the end of that well stay tuned because we have a great uh show following us it's elon danziger with lost and rewound and uh he plays uh stuff inspired by music tapes from his childhood and a lot of other stuff like that and and uh it's a really really great show and elon